On this channel, I talk a lot about how to purchase property, why we wanna be investing in the market and economic cycles. But let's just get some practical knowledge down on paper. You might be someone wondering, what are the upfront costs? What are the ongoing costs around holding an investment property? So in this video, I'm gonna share exactly what that looks like. If you're interested, keep watching. Hey guys, my name's Ravi and welcome back to Personal Finance with Ravi Sharma. If you're new here, smash that subscribe button because I talk about real estate, cryptocurrency and financial freedom. Now there are two main parts in terms of the costs that you can associate yourself with when purchasing property. There's the upfront acquisition cost and then there's the ongoing cost. So let's jump into the acquisition cost. But before I do, smash that like button because that's gonna go a long way into supporting the channel to grow so that more information like this is readily available. Now be sure to stay all the way till the end in this video because I'm gonna show you a streamlined way as to how you can manage all of your ongoing costs and it's gonna take you no time at all. And this is very important, especially when you're going out there and saying, I wanna go and build a portfolio of three, four or five properties. So with that, let's continue. Now acquisition cost is made up of all of the costs you're gonna be associating yourself with when purchasing a property. Now, you're gonna have a deposit. Now the minimum deposit you'd probably have is about 10%. If you're purchasing residential property, if you're purchasing commercial, those numbers will differ. If you're interested in the difference between commercial and residential investing, definitely go check out this video. Next, you have stamp duty. Now this will depend state to state. It's going to be different in every state because they use different calculators, which essentially means that some states are more greedy than others. Let's be real. Now I will show you an example with real numbers on a deal we just did this morning. Next up, you have conveyancing costs, which is essentially someone sitting there to go and review your contract and help you through the process of all the contract negotiations to then get to settlement. They also organize your settlement as well. You then also have pest and building inspections. Now some people don't do this and this is optional. Like you can't have stamp duty that's optional that is definitely a non-negotiable. When it comes to pest and build, some people have differing views on this where they'll say, oh, it's a brand new property. I don't have any issues with it. I'm just going to move in or I'm going to go ahead and purchase that property or in other circumstances where they go, look, it is a hot market. I just want to go and buy. Having no pest and build clause in the contract will make you a very favorable buyer. However, we under no circumstances purchase property for myself or for any clients under search property because without this pest and build inspection clause. The main reason is that if you go ahead and purchase something and you don't actually know what's inside those walls or if there's termites underground or they've already eaten most of the roof up, you're not gonna know that. So I would definitely advise you to go and get these things done because it's gonna save you a lot of money in the long run. Now, the other cost you'll have is the buyer's agency fee. Now, is this a non-negotiable? Definitely not. I'd strongly recommend having one despite the fact that this is gonna sound biased given that I am a buyer's agent at Search Property. It is very important. And the reason I say this is because your biggest advantage is speed. When you go ahead and get yourself aligned with a buyer's agent, a professional that does this day in day out on multiple deals, their chance of securing something that's gonna be significantly better value than someone that's going out there and doing this once a year is going to be different. So again, that's part of your research process. If you wanna know how we work at Search Property, the buyer's agency, definitely go check out this video. It's like 35 minutes long, but it'll give you everything you need to know in terms of costs, fees, and the process. Now that pretty much rounds up all of your acquisition costs. So if we use the example of this morning, we purchased a property for 456,000, the 12% deposit was 54,720. Now, despite me saying earlier in this video, you can go ahead with a 10% deposit. We know that at 12%, it sort of accounts for your LMI. It also helps you reduce that LMI figure as well. The stamp duty in this state was 16,140. The conveyancing and the pest and build came to about $3,000. So in total to acquire this property, it was actually gonna cost 73,860. And then on top of that would have been the buyer's agency fee. Now this number is a lot less than most people think because you go out there and you get told, 
or you need a minimum 20% deposit. If you're going ahead and purchasing a property like this, that means you're probably gonna have to have about 120 to $130,000 saved up before you can enter the market. You wouldn't believe me, but there are so many people out there that still think and still listen to people that say, well, you need a 20% deposit. You can't do lower than that for an investment property. They'll also go on to tell you that you can't get interest only loans anymore. That's completely untrue. You can definitely go out there, get interest only loans at a 90% lend as well. So just be careful who you listen to. Now we get into the ongoing costs. Of course, it would be amazing if you could purchase property. It would be easy to maintain because you get the income come through. But unfortunately, we have some costs associated with holding this property. Now, if you see the bigger picture and you understand how things have worked with property cycles, land cycles, and the relationship with inflation and interest rates, you will really value why someone should be investing in real estate, even in today's market. And it's very important to understand historically where we've been to understand where we could be heading, despite the fact that nothing is guaranteed. Now, some of your ongoing costs will include your council rates, water rates, and insurances. So let's bundle them all up together. And that's roughly going to cost you about four and a half thousand dollars a year. In terms of property management, so I get this question quite a bit. It's like, hey, Ravi, do I pay extra for my property management? How does that work? And I'm going to break it down for you. When you go ahead and receive your rent, you will get a portion of that given to the property manager. So they take their cut and it's usually between 7% and 10% of the weekly rent. So here you can see why it's so important that you get the right property manager because the right property manager could be worth so much more than 10%, but then there are others that are completely garbage and you probably wouldn't want to pay them anything at all. But this number comes to about seven to 10%. Now in this case, this property is going to rent for $550 a week. Now this could cost anywhere between 38 and $55 every single week. Now I know this number does sound like a lot and truth be told, yes, it is a big portion of your income that you generate, but you have to think bigger picture. You've got to think scalable. You've got to think, how do I get from one property to the next and the one after that? Because saving $1,000 or $2,000 is going to increase the level of headache and involvement you're going to have with each property. I can tell you now, if I had to do this for every single property and said, hey, you know what? I'll save my 1500 bucks a week and not have it properly managed, then I'm going to take on so much more risk. And because I'm not located locally, I can't visit the property, which means I'm always going to have to either fly in or actually rely on someone else doing that for me, which is why I have the right property managers across all of Australia for all of my properties. This is a non-negotiable for myself. The other part to the non-negotiable when it goes to ongoing costs is insurance. You need to have proper insurance because shit can happen. And trust me, you don't want to be in that space where there's a flood or there's a cyclone in an area that never had cyclones before, or you've also got your tenant that's gone in there and maybe you've had a problematic tenant. They go out there and destroy the whole property. If you don't have insurance, you're going to be pretty much screwed. So you definitely need one. If you're interested in talking to an insurance broker, they're different from a mortgage broker. I'm going to leave a link in the description below so you can contact him directly. And believe me, it is so helpful to have an insurance broker on your side because they can go out there and they can go ahead and find the right product for you. And even for someone like myself that's been doing it for years, there were still things that I learned because my insurance broker was telling me in terms of the fine prints and things that I didn't consider before. So definitely go hit them up. Of course, we also have interest repayments. Now, if you have a loan on the mortgage, you're going to pay interest only, or you're going to go interest plus principal. Now, if you go interest plus principal, the first part being principal, that's not really considered an ongoing cost. However, as part of your cash flow analysis, you're probably going to want to consider that because you're still having to pay it. But the interest component is an expense. And finally, we have wear and tear. Now, wear and tear could mean anything for anybody. I'm going to tell you what it means for me. It means that I allocate between one and $2,000 every year, despite in most cases not having to use that money. But this would cover things like doorknobs, plumbing issues, things that just pop up out of nowhere. And then occasionally you'll see that maybe I don't have any issues on one of the properties for like, say, two or three years. And then I might go, well, $3,000 or $4,000 to put in a new air conditioner upgrades my property. Equally, you could go ahead 
and say, I'm not gonna really upgrade anything for the next three years. And after about three or four years, I can do a smaller renovation or a bigger one. And that could range anywhere between $7,000 all the way up to about forty-five dollars to $50,000. As part of my strategy, I'm going out trying to acquire all the properties that I can. And then after about three to five years, I can go in and renovate each property every six or seven months. And that'll allow me to increase the equity, but also not use my money today, which I could use towards acquiring new land, acquiring new properties. And I'm not saying, you know, just land on its own or a new off the plan property or house and land package. No, I'm definitely not talking about that. And you will understand the reason why if you go ahead and check this video out. It is definitely a loophole that most people aren't considering. But when it comes to me acquiring properties, I'm looking for established properties, go out there and just keep acquiring so that I can always go around in a couple of years to renovate. Could I go ahead and purchase that exact same property at the exact same price? Chances are, I'm probably not. Now, if you have stuck all the way through, I'm gonna show you the streamlined method that I use. And it ties in with how people say, you can't really manage that many properties, still maintain a full-time job and have a life outside of this. Although having a life outside of what I do is questionable because I'm a nerd, but it definitely is possible and you can scale up very quickly. So what I do is I have my water rates, council rates and insurances all paid through my property manager. So what I mean by that is the council rates and water rates, they all get sent straight to the property manager and they pay it quarterly. So I don't have to worry about those things. And what they do is with the rent that they receive in that month, they use a portion of that to pay for the council rates, a portion of that to pay for the water rates and maybe your monthly insurance premium. And then whatever's left comes back into my account. Now there's two reasons I do this. Number one, time management is phenomenal because I don't have to go out there, get all these paperwork or rates sent to me directly and then have to action them all the time. I get them to do it for me. Additionally, by having them do it, it means that at the end of the financial year, they give me one ledger which says all of my income, all of my expenses and what the profit and loss actually looks like. I can take that one pager and it's usually emailed to me so I'm not sure why I'm holding it up but I get that one page and I send it directly to my accountant. They can use everything from there to then go ahead and do my tax return as well. So it makes the whole process a lot easier and I definitely advise you to go ahead and do something similar. I hope you guys have enjoyed this video. If you have, smash that like button, subscribe if you haven't already and check out like the 200 videos I've got on this channel talking about property, talking about real estate and a bit of crypto as well as financial freedom. I'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks guys.